Welcome in the name of our wonderful King Jesus. Welcome to those of you who have gathered to worship today, braving the cold weather and the bit of snow we have. Welcome to those of you who are joining us via live stream. Wherever you are, the Lord welcomes us and gathers us to worship Him. And, and He is pleased to meet us with His grace, with His love, with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And we are pleased as a church to be able to worship together, whether that's physically or virtually. It is a blessing to be together in this time of looking to the Lord and receiving also from Him. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in this service and in our service next week also. We ask that if you're here today, you wait till a little bit later in the week to uh, register for next week to make sure that everyone who wants to partake of the Lord's Supper is able to come. And we ask that if you do want to partake of the Lord's Supper and you aren't here this morning, that you register for next week to come and participate together with the body of Christ in this sacrament. This morning and next week, we're continuing our sermon series centered on the cross of Christ. We're working through the last few chapters of the Gospel of Matthew and in different ways over the course of these weeks, looking toward the cross of Christ and how that transforms our lives now. We are not currently having in-person evening services, but we're providing video sermons. Tonight you have, or today I guess at any time you want, you have the opportunity to listen to Jerry Erfmeyer, and next week Mac Wiener will be providing our second sermon. The reopening team and council continue to work at how we as a church can prioritize worship, how we can provide opportunities for fellowship and ministry, and how we can honor our, our government and our public health officials and try to keep people safe. We are currently at 100 people in the sanctuary, 50 people in the fellowship hall as a, as a maximum capacity, and we are below that the last couple weeks. So if you want to come, certainly feel free to do so in the coming weeks. We do ask that you register through our website for Sunday services. After the church service today, uh, Dirk Glaubke, our vice president of council, is going to be giving some updates on a number of processes that church leadership is in the midst of. So we'll, uh, I'll give the closing benediction, we'll sing the doxology, then we'll take a seat, the video will continue, and Dirk will offer maybe a four or five minute update on some things going on with our church. Uh, now we are in the midst of our annual bottle change drive for caring network and one of our right to life committee members Kim Koinga is going to come up and, and share a bit with us about the right for life sanctity of life cause here at faith. Good morning. So the caring network helps women in unplanned pregnancy situations. Um, and gives them various options um, to consider life for their pregnancy. And I would just like to share a story about a woman named Leah. Leah was considering an abortion due to financial concerns and lack of medical coverage. She had had a previous traumatic pregnancy, and she was worried about health risks. The father of the baby didn't want her to abort and offered his support, but due to, health, or, but due to previous issues in another relationship that she had had prior, she didn't trust him to stay and help her. With all of these concerns on her heart, Leah went to Caring Network to discuss her problems. She was able to process these obstacles with her Caring Network counselor and welcomed being lifted up in prayer by the staff. The next day, Leah received a free ultrasound at Caring Network's clinic. A nurse at the clinic gave Leah a Bible and highlighted passages in it of encouragement.
Leah cried, grateful for this beautiful gift. She talked with her pregnancy counselor after the appointment, saying that her conversation with the nurse was instrumental in the outcome of her situation. And it was an awe-inspiring experience seeing the ultrasound. Less than 24 hours later, Leah reached out, letting Caring Network know that against all odds, even during COVID-19, she was approved for medical coverage and she had decided to keep her child. She knew it was a miracle and she thanked Caring Network for all that was done for her saying that it was the first time in a long time that she felt that she was heard. Praise God. The Faith Right to Life Committee asks that you consider supporting the Caring Network so that more women like Leah can be encouraged and supported in their decisions to choose life for their unborn child. So please, if you haven't yet, pick up a baby bottle in the church entry or consider donating online. Thank you. We as a church have had a long-term relationship with Caring Network, and, and that's one of the ways that we try to live out the gospel good news that the Lord created all human beings in His image and that He cares for each one of us enough that He gave His life to save us. So thank you for giving us that update, Kim, and please do keep Caring Network in your prayers and support them through your actions as you're able. Please stand now to receive God's greeting. The greeting this morning comes from Zechariah 13. That's a, a text that just a snippet of is quoted in the sermon text that we'll read today from Matthew 26. And hear this, hear this greeting from the Lord where he promises to be our God and also to help us grow as his people. The Lord speaks to us with these words. I will refine you like silver and test you like gold. You will call on my name and I will answer you. I will say to you, you are my people. And you will say, the Lord is our God. The Lord has declared that we are his people. Let's respond by singing, here I am to worship, to declare that he is our Lord.
We are going to be professing our faith now. We often profess our faith during our services here at Faith, but we're going to be using a little bit of an unusual text for that. We're going to be responsibly reading Psalms 115 and 117. And I, I picked this reading, this expression and profession of our faith today because it's in the background of our sermon text. This is a set of, uh, a series of psalms, Psalms 114 through 118, that were often read and sung at Passover. And Jesus' death and His resurrection were right in the season of Passover. And, and there's just a line in our text that says something about how Jesus and His disciples sung a hymn between the Last Supper and their time together in the Garden of Gethsemane. And these words that we're going to read today would most likely have been part of that hymn. So as we profess our faith, we are sharing in the very words that Jesus and His disciples shared in as Jesus was looking toward the cross. The words will be on the screen. There will be parts for leader, parts for people, and we'll conclude with a few lines that all of us say together. Let's profess our faith in our wonderful Lord and Savior. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to Your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. They have ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel a little bit of a typo there. They have feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless His people Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. It is not the dead who praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord, both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol Him, all you peoples. For great is His love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The Lord truly is faithful, gracious, and compassionate to us. He welcomes us to worship, and He welcomes us to pray and to share with Him. So let's now go together to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, we come before You and we praise You as the Creator, the Lord of heaven and earth, the sea and the land, the plants and the animals, and the maker of every single human being. Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We pray that you help us to treasure life 
as you've given it from the womb to the tomb. And we also come and we praise you as our Redeemer. Lord, we thank you that you were willing to empty yourself and and to be born as a human being. We thank you that Jesus lived as one of us and, and that he suffered and he died for us and for our salvation. We thank you for being our good shepherd, for making us your sheep and for laying down your life for us. And we also praise you because you are our king. You reign over all people, over all this world, over all this universe. And we pray that you bring your kingdom. This world is so broken and so full of evil and trouble. Lord, we pray that you work to defeat evil, to undo wrong, to make this world a better place. We pray that you continue to provide guidance to governments and and public health workers and, and medical staff and researchers. We pray that as we continue to slog our way through this pandemic, that you you provide ways for us to get through. Continue to provide vaccines and and medical developments. We pray that that you too work work through our different resources and networks to provide people with the emotional and the mental and the spiritual support they need in this time that is so isolating and so difficult. Father, we hear news recently of a, of a coup in Myanmar, and, and the world is always full of political squabbles and, and fighting and killing and just so much trouble. Lord, we pray that you enable the governments of the world to serve their people well. Power is so often misused, but we ask that you work so that it is used well for the good of those who are governed. And Lord, even as we Even as we pray and hope and work for that, we know that in this world we will never see your kingdom until Jesus returns. And so we pray that you come quickly and that you put an eternal end to evil, to injustice, and to all our troubles. And Father, as we walk through our troubles, we are grateful that you continue to comfort and to lead us. We ask that you Pour out your grace and your peace on John Veltzma and his family as they mourn the loss of Judy and now the loss of Jessica just within a few weeks. What what a burden for John and his family to carry. And Lord, we pray that you comfort Teresa Skryzak's family too and, and all of those who are mourning, whether their loss was a long time ago or recently. And for those who have lost loved ones in the last few months, We pray that you walk with them through this isolation and and time of grieving that just doesn't seem to end. Lord, we pray that you bless Ray and Ron and others in our congregation who are in the midst of recoveries. We ask that you give them continued progress and enable them to, to deepen their faith and trust in you even as they walk through dark valleys. Father, we thank you for making all of us part of your church. We ask that you encourage, you, you continue to encourage and teach us. We pray that you lead and guide us here at Faith. Help us, help us to follow your plans and your will and give us the power that we need to follow you. And we thank you for forgiving our sins. We pray that you continue to give us new life in this world of pain and death. Help us to live always in the knowledge and the hope of the resurrection we have in Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. 
Our mission committee chair, Don Osman, is going to come up now and share a bit of an update about the support we've been offering to a number of our missionaries. Good morning. Today is the uh, first Sunday of the month, which is our traditional uh, Faith Promise Sunday. And uh, I first would like to uh, thank you, the congregation, on behalf of the Mission Committee for your continued financial and prayerful support for our missionaries. Um, I know uh, we all are struggling, especially through this last year, but I can't imagine what they are uh, missionaries and mission agencies that we support the struggles that they're going through because some can't do what they're called to do by God and that's to minister to their uh, different uh, ministries so we want to keep them in our prayers and uh, again thank you for your financial support because we're able to continue to support them um, today's uh, is February and we usually pray for all God's children and they have gone through some tremendous struggles and changes in their ministry there in uh, Hogar de Nino and so uh, we want to continue to pray for them they don't have any serve teams going there but uh, they sell are involved with several other agencies that they've become attached to uh, over the last several years and uh, I vividly can remember some of those uh, and on the teams I've gone with. So there's, there's a lot of concern and need there, so we want to continue to hold them in prayer. Uh, I was made aware of that we have, um, uh, Tim and Nan Lurup have started a um, mission there in uh, Honduras, and uh, there, there's going to be a few people from our congregation as well as some from Elmhurst that are going to be going down so we want to hold them up in prayer. They're going to be uh, working with Tim and Nan in uh, their ministry there this uh, coming Saturday. So uh, hold them up in prayer. And uh, shall we go to prayer at this time? Our gracious and merciful Father, we thank thee for this day. We thank thee for this day set aside that we can be thankful for what you have done and continue to do for us. And uh, especially those that we support uh, at Faith Church, our missionaries and mission agencies. We ask that thou would continue to bless them and their work and those that uh, they minister to and bring the word of uh, your ongoing love and forgiveness for their sins uh, throughout the world from uh, here in Chicago all the way to Papua New Guinea uh, different places in the world and different peoples and backgrounds that uh, need you. We ask that thou would continue to bless them in their work. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing that, Don. We, when we gather here, we often forget that we are well, we're gathering together physically, but in a spiritual sense, we are gathering together with God's people all around the world, and His work is going on, His mission is continuing, and more and more people are coming in. So as we praise the Lord this morning, we raise our voice with, with billions, really, of people around the world who all belong to our Lord and Savior. 
As we prepare to hear the word of the Lord today, we're going to sing two songs. We're going to sing first, Jesus, I come and express that we are coming to the Lord for him to provide what we need. And then we'll sing grace greater than our sin to remind us that that the Lord's grace and his faithfulness are indeed greater than our sin, greater than our need, and he is able and willing to take care of us. Let's stand and sing these two songs together.
And as we prepare, prepare to hear the word of the Lord, let's go to our gracious God in prayer. Father, we ask that you illuminate our minds and quicken our hearts as we approach your word. Help us to hear clearly, to hear clearly what you would say to each one of us today. And Lord, help us to receive your word with joy. When it challenges us, help us to receive it with joy because it means that you want us to grow and to become better. When it encourages us, help us to receive it with joy because, because you affirm to us over and over again that you are gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Father, we thank you for drawing us into your presence and for speaking to us today. Amen. We're in the second week of a series where we're working through Matthew 26 to 28, and, and these chapters in this series is focused on the cross of Christ, what it, what it means that, that the Lord approached the cross as He did, that He suffered and died and went into the grave, and, and that He rose again, and how that, in so many different ways, transforms our lives today. We started this series last week with Matthew 26, 1 to 16, and And you're welcome to check that out if you want to get more into the details of it. But in that text, we saw the distinction between human plots and divine plans. And we'll see this over the course of this series, that that there are all these human plots going on, that people are trying to work things out in their own way, and, and yet the Lord has a plan that is greater and stronger than any of those human plots. And so the plots, even the best that people can do, and even the worst that they can do, Well, God pulls all that together to accomplish what He sets out to accomplish. Today, we're going to read uh, Matthew 26, 17 to 46. And these verses, we aren't going to be able to dig into all the details of this section. We could preach a whole series on just these verses. What we're going to see is this, this thread that runs through of human failure and God's faithfulness. Even when we want to be in line with what God wants, even when we're trying to follow His plan, we so often fail, and yet God is there with His grace and His faithfulness. We'll hear that through His Word today, and we'll experience it through participating in the Lord's Supper after this sermon. But now hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 26. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, Surely not I, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it has been written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, Yes, it is you. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. 
Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So a number of years ago when we were in Africa, I was doing a bit of, bit of electrical setup. And any story that I tell you that begins with, I was doing a bit of electrical setup is not going to end well. You just know that from the beginning. But we had this kind of strange electrical system for us here, but, but they had 220 power there, and it was really erratic, up and down. Sometimes it would just disappear for a while. And so to to have expensive electronic devices like computers plugged in, we had to plug in two or three things in a row, one to kind of stabilize the power so you didn't get the spikes, and, and then one to step it down from 220 to 110, and, and then a power strip. And it, it became quite a thing to set up anytime you had to set up a computer. So one day I was setting up our computer. We were staying at a guest house, and I needed it for something, so I was lining things up. And as part of that, I had a cord just kind of hanging out, and I, I knew that it was a live 220 wire, but but I'd kind of forgotten that, and so I was just setting things up, and I reached over to grab the cord, and instead of grabbing the insulated part of the cord, I grabbed the metallic end, and yow! 220 power, if you've ever felt it, gives you a nice little jolt, and my arm kind of went numb, and my vision was blurry for a second. Whoa! My arm was numb for quite a while, and there was kind of that, I... Ah... And so I walked away, and I came back later and very carefully plugged it in and never made that mistake again. Well, in this, in this text, Jesus gives all of his disciples, but he especially gives Judas that jolt that they think things are all right, they think they know what's happening, and all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, 
whoa, what is happening here? And we should maybe be a little bit jolted by this text because, well, because, and this is our first point for today, despite our betrayal, Jesus remains faithful. And this is a familiar text. We know how it goes, so it doesn't surprise us, but maybe it should that, that despite all of, all of his people's sins and even their betrayal, Jesus still holds on to his disciples and still holds on to us. So in this text, Jesus and his disciples share a Passover meal, and, and during the meal, partway through, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth, and he looks at his best friends, at these men who have walked with him for years and years, and he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. And all of his disciples probably react like they've just been zapped by 220 power, and they, they go, what? And they, they go around the room, and, and surely, surely not I, Lord, surely not I. And they're asking that question, I think, from the heart, because, because if you read through the Gospels, the disciples often fail Jesus. Their humanity, their sinfulness, their troubles are front and center, and, and Jesus has to rebuke them a lot. And so for them to say, one of you is going to betray me, well, they, they would sit there and think, is it me? Is there something I've done? Is there something I'm going to do? Is it going to be me? All the disciples are shocked that one of one of them, one of the twelve, could betray Jesus. But Judas, of course, is especially shocked. And Judas, Judas probably up to this point thinks that he's pulled the wool over Jesus' eyes. He thinks that he's tricking Jesus and this is all going according to plan. And now Judas realizes that Jesus knows. Jesus knows there is a traitor in the room. Now, Judas doesn't yet know that Jesus knows it's him, so, so he keeps playing along, and, and he's probably trying to put on this act and, and just trying to make sure that he gets out of that room alive, honestly. So he, along with the other disciples, says, surely not I, teacher. And you know, it's funny. The rest of the disciples say, surely not I, Lord. And Judas says, surely not I, teacher. He has a, a little bit of a lesser view of Jesus that he hints at there, but but. But he's going along with the rest. Surely not I, Lord. And then Jesus gives him another shock. And this is in verse 25. And, and the NIV says that Jesus says to Judas, Judas says, surely not I, teacher. And, and Jesus says to him, yes, it's you. But the way that that gets translated is, well, it's impossible to translate it quite right. Because what Jesus says is a, is a phrase that you could interpret a number of ways. And the NIV actually has another option in one of the footnotes. And some other texts go a different way. But, but it could be, you could use those words to say, yes, it's you. Or you could use those words to say, well, I guess if you say so. Or you could use those words to say, oh, you said it. It's ambiguous. And so the rest of the disciples, if they heard that, they wouldn't necessarily know that Jesus was condemning Judas. But Judas, Judas, now he knows that Jesus knows what Judas is up to, and he knows that it's Judas. And, and if Judas has any brains at this point, he is literally scared for his life because he is in the upper room with at least 12 people. Maybe there were more there, but at least 12 people who are part of this cause. And the Jews back then had very pointed ways of dealing with traitors. And so Judas, 
having been identified by Jesus at least as a betrayer, having received that shock, is he going to die? What is Jesus going to do next? And then the text makes this, this abrupt transition that we just roll with because we've read it a bunch, but, but it doesn't make any sense unless there's a particular message that Jesus is trying to convey to us. Here's how the text goes. Jesus says to Judas, you will betray me. And then what's next? Here's my body and here's my blood, broken and poured out for you. Now, that's shocking because it's strong language. I mean, eat my body, drink my blood, that's, that's a little out there. And Jesus is using an incredibly strong image to say to his disciples and to us, I am going to do what I am going to do for you. But notice that he says that and that the Last Supper happens in the context of betrayal. Jesus has just identified the man who is probably the most responsible, humanly speaking, for Jesus' imminent execution. And Jesus goes right from that to look at my life given for you. Now, that probably gives Jesus a jolt. I'm sorry, that probably gives Judas a jolt. But he doesn't change. He still goes out and he betrays Jesus and and Judah's story, as we'll see down the line a little bit, ends really poorly. And he's become emblematic for the traitor who, who suffers eternally for his betrayal. But the way this text sets up that story, and, and Jesus shift from one of you is going to betray me to it's going to be you, to here's my body and here my, here's my blood, gives us great hope. In the darkness of betrayal, the light of Jesus' sacrifice for us shines even brighter. Jesus, knowing that these men are going to let him down, still with joy proclaims, proclaims his death as good news and good news for us. Last week as we prepared to celebrate the Lord's Supper this week and next week, I asked you to reflect on on a set of questions, and they basically were, is your faith completely centered on Jesus? Is your hope completely centered on Jesus? Is your love completely centered on Jesus? And, and if you spend even a little bit of time getting really into those questions and asking yourself honestly, am I totally centered on Jesus? Well, the answer for all of us is always going to be no. There are times that our faith is strong, and there are times that our faith is weak, but but every day and every week, we perpetually betray our Lord and Savior. All of us have our, have our moments where we know, we know what we should do and we know what it would look like to love the Lord and, and we pick something else. We turn our back on Jesus. We walk away from Him and we do it again and again and again. And we will... We will betray Jesus later today and we will betray him later this week. And that is terrible and it is sad. But Jesus himself, Jesus himself, still when we repent, he accepts us. 
He knows all that we have done and all that we will do, and He still laid down His life, and He still continues to provide His body and blood for us to be welcomed into His family. Despite our betrayals, despite our betrayals, Jesus is faithful to all of us, and that is good news. And then as the story goes on, we we shift from betrayal to denial. And again, despite our denial, Jesus remains faithful. In verses 31 to 35, the focus shifts from the 12 disciples to the 11 disciples, and then especially to Peter. And Jesus tells his disciples that all of them will fall away from him that very night. And Peter, good old Peter, said, not me. Even if everybody else falls away from you, I won't. And Jesus looks at his right-hand guy, this this one who he loves, who he's gone through all kinds of things with, and he says, you will. Peter, I tell you, this very night, you will disown me three times. And Peter doubles down, and he comes back with, even if I have to die for you, I will never disown you. And the rest of the disciples second the motion. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Even, no matter what, we're with you. And the disciples have come a long way from where they've been earlier in Matthew. In Matthew 16, Jesus tells the disciples about his his coming death, and Peter kind of tries to take him aside him and say, no, 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 Jesus, that's not how the Messiah things work. You're going to conquer, you're going to win. And Jesus has to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of of humanity, not the things of God. And here, Peter has, has come a long ways. Instead of saying, no, it's not possible that you would suffer, now Peter is saying, we're going to go out in a blaze of glory together. You may go down, and I may go down with you, but we're going to go out sword swinging. Let's, let's get this revolution kicked off, even if it kills us. But really, for all their energy, the disciples are still in denial. They still are thinking merely in human terms. They're thinking, about, they're thinking about how they can fulfill what they think is God's plan, and they are entirely missing what God's plan really is. They expect a battle. And God's plan calls for Jesus to go to an execution. In this passage, Jesus quotes an Old Testament passage. It's Zechariah 13. And that verse and the area around it talk about this good shepherd This good leader of God's people who will be unjustly, unexpectedly struck down. And God's people will be scattered. There will be suffering and there will be death and there will look, there will be what looks like defeat. And that's hard to swallow. And Peter can't take it yet. So he strikes this macho pose and says, let's get him. And in fact, Jesus is the one who is going to be gotten. Jesus will go out humbly and with endurance, not not sword swinging and kicking off the kind of revolution that Peter expects. But what if that's what's really best? What if that's what's really best? I was talking with, uh, with someone this week about ADHD and And we all probably know what ADHD is, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And and stereotypically, people who have ADHD have a hard time finishing tasks. They tend to jump around a lot, and they're here, and they're there, and there's this, and there's that, and there's all these things going on. And so they can be tremendously productive, but it's really hard for them actually to finish things. 
And I knew that, but what I didn't know and what I found out this week is that another characteristic of people with ADHD is that they are really prone to self-sabotage. That somehow with, with how the brain wiring works with that particular, with that particular way of being, that, that they can see the goal, but often their behavior directly undercuts their ability to get to that goal. And that's particularly true for people with ADHD, I guess, or at least so I heard this week. But isn't it true for all of us in some ways? That the, I'll be a little stereotypical here, but, but the teenage girl who, who really wants affection and intimacy becomes really clingy and, and, and desperate and, and kind of almost put-offish. And it's hard to, to get true intimacy and instead you get kind of shallow manipulation. And the teenage guy who really wants and needs respect, and so he, he's a goofball, and he works out, and, and, and he tries to, to have people respect him, and instead all he gets is a laugh and, and a little bit of maybe positive, maybe negative attention. Or what about the parent who really, really wants to provide for their family, and so they, they work long, long, long hours, and, and they sacrifice, and they, they get the right house, and they get the right car, and they get all the stuff, and they do all the things for their kids, and and at the end, their kids still say, yeah, I guess they worked a lot, but they didn't care about me. They were never there. They were never there. And who cares about the toys when I don't have my parent? And I could go on and on, but I think, I think we're all prone to self-sabotage. And I think this is true for us spiritually. That we can see where we want to go and what we want. And I think what all of us want is, is to be with Jesus and to have lives that are, that are deep and that are overflowing with joy and where we really trust in the Lord. But, but so often how we actually live sabotages that. We undercut our own spiritual growth. And I think we do that as individuals and we do that as a church. That we say this is the church we want but then our own behavior, our own sins, our own putting our, our plans above God's plans, our own needs, our own, our own whatever gets in the way. And so instead of moving forward as a church, we, we end up in denial about where God wants us to go and what His plan actually is. But what if God's plan really is best? And what if God really does work things out in His way? And what if it's better than our ways? And notice there I didn't say easier. I don't think, and in my life experience, God's plan is never easier than other options, at least in the short run. But what if God's plan is better? In this text, the disciples are expecting a revolution. They're expecting this, this really small nation of Israel at that point to finally be free and to be able to do what they want to do. And and instead, Jesus has this plan to overturn the whole world order and to, to provide grace and freedom and love and life for billions upon billions throughout all of world history. The disciples' plan is tiny. God's is huge. Our plans are tiny. God's plans are huge. And despite our denial, despite our disbelief, Jesus remains faithful. So how can, how can we as individuals, how can we as a church see that God is faithful and embrace His plan for us? One more, one more scene for today. 
One more point. In our weakness, Jesus remains faithful. We could spend weeks and weeks looking at this Garden of Gethsemane story where Jesus prays and his disciples fall asleep. But we're just going just gonna to dip our toes in this water for a moment and, and then we'll move to the Lord's Supper. But in this text, we see the disciples fail. Jesus brings them out to the Garden of Gethsemane and then he asks them, he tells them, I am overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Can you guys just, just be around? Just pray with me. I need you. This is your best friend calling you at two in the morning and saying, we got problems here. Can you come over and help? And, and of course, what you say is, yeah, yeah, I'll be on my way. I'll be right there. But the disciples are not on the way. The disciples fall asleep on the couch. The disciples are, are willing, but they're weak. And their eyes are heavy. And so they fall asleep. And Jesus comes back and wakes them up and says, can't you even pray with me for an hour? Can't you even do that? And the disciples fall asleep and fall asleep and fall asleep. And our temptation might be to beat up on the disciples. And and there's something to that. And some commentators go that direction. That we need to be more vigilant, unlike the disciples. And we need to hold on to God's plan, unlike the disciples. But, But honestly, we'd be pretty hypocritical to do that, wouldn't we? If you've ever tried to pray at two in the morning, I'm guessing you were about as successful at staying awake as the disciples were. And it's not just with our prayers, it's with so many parts of our faith lives that we are so weak. I don't know if if you've ever had this, but but I think many of us have that that we have a huge to-do list and we have so much going on and we just we just go take a nap. Because life is too much, so we tune out. And often when we're trying to follow Jesus, life is too much, and so we tune out. We are weak. And yet, despite that, the Lord remains strong and faithful for us. And this text shows us that even in Jesus' weakness, He is strong for us. Up to this point in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew really hasn't shown us a lot of Jesus' inner life. He hasn't showed us a lot of Jesus' emotions. And and here He shows us Jesus scared. Jesus almost overwhelmed, Jesus knowing what's coming and feeling trepidation and concern. And yet even in, even in these emotional moments, even in these moments of weakness and fear, Jesus remains strong for us. He does not walk away. He recognizes how hard this is going to be, and yet where he comes back to is, Father, your will be done. Father, your will be done be done. When we are weak, Jesus is strong. When we are weak, Jesus remains faithful. These days we are all weak and worn out. We are all tired. And you all, you all know all the things, I could list them all, but we all know what's stressing everybody these days. This pandemic season has been one of the hardest of our lives. We are weak, we are weary, and we are worn out. But Jesus remains faithful. And today, He meets us through His Word, and He feeds us through His body and blood, and He tells us that we do not need to be strong because He has strength enough for all of us. We betray Jesus in our actions, and He remains faithful. We deny that His plan is the best, and He remains faithful. We are weak, 
and he remains faithful. Come to me, Jesus says. This is my body and blood given for you. This is my word given to you. You may fail me, but I will remain faithful. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your faithfulness. And we confess that that we are weak and weary sinners. We confess that we turn against you over and over again. We confess that we prefer our own plans to yours. We confess that we are not strong enough to do what we need to do. And so, Father, we thank you that you work in us to turn back to you, that you correct our vision and help us to see and to rejoice in your plan, and that through your word and your spirit, you empower us to live in your ways. Father, feed us, lead us, guide us. Amen. The worship team is going to come up now, and in preparation for sharing in the Lord's Supper, we're going to sing in Christ alone, and then we'll proceed to the celebration of the sacrament. When the music begins, let's all stand and together sing in Christ alone.
Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, the meal which we are about to share is a feast of remembrance, communion, and hope. We come to remember that Jesus was sent into the world to assume our flesh and blood so that we might be redeemed. We come to have communion with this same Christ who has promised to be with us even to the end of the world. We come in hope, believing that this bread and this cup are a pledge and a foretaste of the new heavens and the new earth where we shall behold God face to face. Here is the bread of life given for us. Let all those who hunger come to eat. Here is the fruit of the vine poured out for us. Let all who thirst come and drink. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we remember and celebrate in this meal the perfect sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask that through this meal you unite us with Christ, strengthen us by your Holy Spirit, enable us to trust in your power to triumph over evil, and help us to wait in joyful hope for the coming of your kingdom. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray, so that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be to us the communion of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And grant that being joined together in Christ, we may attain to unity in the faith and grow up in all things into him who is our head, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord has prepared his table for all who love him and trust in him alone for their salvation. All who are truly sorry for their sins, who sincerely believe in the Lord Jesus as their Savior, and who desire to live in obedience to him, are now invited to come with gladness to the table of our Lord. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his arrest, took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, you do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to ask the elders who will be serving communion to come up front at this point, and uh, one of the elders is going to go to the fellowship hall to serve, to serve those who will partake there. Um, we're going to do communion a little bit differently than we usually do, but much like we did the last time we celebrated in person during the pandemic. We're going to ask that you come up these two aisles. Come up these two aisles and then return. If you're from the middle section, go up the middle aisle back to your seats. If you're from the outside rows, come up this aisle and go down the outside aisle. So we'll have a flow of everyone coming down together and then going up through other aisles so we don't have two-way traffic. And we ask that you just uh, give each other a little bit of spacing as you come down, begin at the front, just work your way back and come around. We'll have some music during this time. Come up, get the elements, and we ask then that you return to your seats and meditate on the gifts of God given for us.
these elements, there's a wrapper you can pull off, and then there's a wafer there for the bread, then you can open the next wrapper to have the wine. I'm going to uh, invite you to share in each of the elements. I'll give a moment of silence after each one for us to continue to reflect. And you're welcome to take your masks off for just a moment as we partake of communion, put them back on afterwards. Take, eat, remember, and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was given for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Now you're invited to uh, open up the cup also. Take, drink, remember, and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was shed for the complete remission of all our sins. We have heard the word of the Lord, we have shared in his supper, and let's now respond by together singing of him our Redeemer. Let's stand, we'll sing the first two verses now. Just a reminder, after the service, Dirk Glaubke is going to give a, a bit of an update from council, so I'll give the blessing, we'll sing the doxology, and then please be seated, Dirk will come up, after that I'll close with prayer, postlude, and we'll, we'll go out, and we'll continue the video for those who are live streaming, we'll continue the video through the postlude also. 
The blessing for today is from Psalm 42 and 43, and we didn't touch on this at all today, but that's a psalm that's in the background of Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's, it's a psalm that assures us that the Lord will never forsake us. So receive this blessing from the Lord. By day, the Lord directs His love. At night, His song is with us. Why then are we downcast? Why so troubled? Put your hope in God, for we will yet praise Him, our Savior and our God. Thank you for hanging in there, uh, uh, the elders, the deacons, full council. Um, wanted to update all of you uh, as we continue to move forward with all uh, kinds of, of uh, things that we're working on. So I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll give it to you. Um, the council would like to thank everyone as we seek to discern God's plan for Faith CRC. As the executive committee, the elders, and council have met before the holidays and in January, we have been working on multiple work streams. I will sum up what we have been working on. One work stream has focused on developing a sense of our church congregation size going forward. As you can all imagine, given COVID and other factors that have come into play regarding our church size, the leadership in the church wanted to invest some time and energy to get a sense of what we can expect our church to look like once we are able to meet again as a congregation without limits to the number of people in the sanctuary and fellowship hall. While we have been uh, connecting with many of you, our first opportunity as a full council to discuss the results of that effort will be on Monday, February 15th. 
What I can share with you is that our expectation of church size has not significantly changed. Giving has not dipped, and we are so grateful for all of you for your support and your patience. Our confidence is high that we will be able to have a meaningful staffing discussion with an eye on the data that we have collected. We did revamp the pastoral annual review mechanics and were able to automate the process thanks to the office staff. For the first time, elders were able to provide feedback that was collated automatically and, provide, uh, and provided a helpful framework for, uh, uh, for us to discuss Pastor Matthew's performance. The feedback from the elders was very supportive of Pastor Matthew's leadership and many ministries here at Faith CRC. We are looking forward to his continued growth as a pastor and a leader here at Faith. Subsequent to that evaluation process, Ted Vandernall, Chris Kakebeek, and I sat uh, with Pastor Matthew and went over his evaluation uh, last week. It was a great opportunity to share ideas. Pastor Matthew appreciates that he has support of the elders. He also appreciates the thoughtful comments, the encouragement and suggestions on where he can focus his efforts to improve his overall performance. What comes out of the congregational data and Pastor Matthew's evaluation provides a clearer picture of staffing related opportunities. The Staff Relations Committee meeting is on Tuesday night to discuss, to discuss sorry, um, staffing with a goal to give the council some suggestions on ways to meet our staffing needs. In the interim, we are exploring part-time ministry support through the summer months. Another focus has been on our church uh, service music. Bob Lurup leads the music committee and Dan Roloffs, our deacon, who serves on the committee, have teamed with the praise team, Pastor Greg, Donna Erdman, Jan Slinkman, and Kristen Boss, to work with Pastor Matthew to ensure that we have music for our upcoming services. We are all grateful to God for the blessings of all the very talented musicians who are willing to continue to share their gift of music during our church services. Finally, on uh, a follow-up to the Healthy Church program. And again, this is, this is run by the CRC. You're certainly welcome to go to the website, the CRC national website, and you will be able to read up on the Healthy Church program they give you an idea of what some of the questions would be like when we do the survey. Um, and I would really encourage you to, to do that and, and check that out. Um, through our deliberations on the executive committee, which is Mike Hoving, Chris Kakebeek, Pastor Matthew, Steve David, and Nathan Medell, we have discussed the timing of the program. We believe it is important to have the buy-in of the future council as they will be the ones who really own it and bring it forward. 
So our idea was to have the nominees and full council um, have an informational meeting with the CRC Healthy Church leadership with the goal of kicking off the program in late August or September. So that works out really well with our church here. And um, I think it will be really a great opportunity for the leadership in the church to uh, meet with the congregation and get an opportunity to really uh, prioritize many, many ministries we have here at the church. So I thank you all for, for listening this morning. And um, uh, Pastor Matthew said that we'll put this in the bulletin. If you have any questions, please reach out to your district elder or your district deacon, and we will be happy to, to get back to you. Have a great day.